The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to another episode of your program Madrasa on A. Of course, developing Islam in me. You probably know this voice by now. I'm your host, Yasmina Peterson, up until just for Asr. And then also in studio, I do have with myself, Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. We are still in our first segment being Knowing My Lord. And your Sheikh is going to be continuing on Nabi Musa alayhi salam, which was yesterday. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you doing this afternoon? Fine, alhamdulillah. And how's yourself and Yasmina? I'm alhamdulillah, Sheikh. With further ado, you can jump right into it, inshallah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillahi wa hada wa salatu wa salamu ala madlana biya ba'd. Rabbi Sharahli Sadri wa Yasidli Amri Wahlul Ogdetam Millisani Yafkahu Kauli. Allahumma alimna bima yamfa'una wa mfa'ana bima alimtana wa rzukna alman yada al jalali wa ikram. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, all thanks and praises due to Allah that are always and forever. Then love and salam to our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the last and final messenger that Allah has sent to humanity to be able to guide you and me how to be human in our best form. To guide you and me how to be human in our best form to be the best of human beings on the earth, the best of human beings for the day, day that we leave the earth, and the best of human beings that will be able to meet with our Lord Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Allahumma ja'anna minhum, may Allah grant us to be amongst them. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, before we actually go into the segment, which is Knowing My Lord, allow us to make the opening dua. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wal'aqibatu lil-muttaqin, wal-jannatu lil-muahideen, wal'a'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, sayyidina wa maulana muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا أزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا التي هي عسمة أمرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا آخرتنا التي إليها معادنا وجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير وجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم باركنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله in this segment we dealt with yesterday the part of Nabi Musa and Banu Israel and we've taken our people up to verse number 60 of Surah Al-Baqarah to the extent of what happened there we mentioned some things to do with this, the uh, way Allah Ta'ala has, has uh, um, 
allowed them to enter the city and how they entered the city and, and what happened to them and Allah to say to them وَإِذْ كُنَّا دُخُلُوا هَذِهِ الْقَرِيَةِ فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا حَيْثُ شِئْتُمْ رَغَدًا وَدُخُلِ الْبَابَ سُجَّدًا وَكُولُوا حِطَّةً نَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ خَطَايَاكُمْ وَسَنَزِيدُ الْمُحْسِنِينَ As to how Allah to mention so and we said remember when we said enter the city and you enjoy of whatever there is in it to your, to your wish and your desire and when, but when you enter the city, please see that you go down in a sense of prostration. And when you're in that sense of prostration, you call unto Allah. And you say unto Allah, Hittah. And Hittah means we, we admit to our faults and our errors. We are to be blamed for all our faults and our shortcomings. So we ask, forgive us. Khatayakum. وَسَنَزِيدُ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Allah says, and then we will give access to, those, to the righteous people. And then Allah reminded us of the fact that was verse number 58, 59 was And here we, Allah says, then they did as Allah told them to enter the city, but the moment they got, got to the gate to enter it, and they went, they had to do sujood, they went into the state of sujood. But instead of saying to Allah, we admit and submit to our weaknesses and our faults, and our, please forgive us. They said unto Allah, other words. So Allah says they replaced it with something else because they didn't want it to admit to themselves that they are sinners. They knew very well that they are sinners and they, they, they are totally disobedient, totally disrespectful. But the arrogance, they are so arrogant, they were so arrogant. Again, no disrespect. Their arrogance was a sense that Allah treated them. And when I say no disrespect, I'm referring to us. Let us not use the process of just having to look at them and understand them. Remember, Allah wants us to look at ourselves. See the faults of theirs within us. Are we equally as arrogant? Do we have that arrogance that we not don't want to submit to Allah? And Allah showed us. Only the righteous people did we good, give good to. And those people who were arrogant, we actually allowed from the summer to be able to send them all their comforts. And remember what we tried to do in last, yesterday's lesson. To let us understand, we need to ask ourselves if we are the reason why Allah would give khair and barakah because of us being Muslim. And we are the reason why Allah would keep away the good. What is the reason why we don't have water? Or why the Sama is not giving us water, whilst normally Allah gives to that Sama water. So Allah wants us to reflect at the time, and Allah wants us to be able to realize, please, if you can come to the sense of admission of guilt for who you are, and blame nobody else but just yourself, beg Allah for all this pardon, Allah is prepared to forgive you and me. May Allah pardon all of us, inshallah. We are still in our first segment, being knowing, my Lord. And don't worry, you haven't missed much. We are still in the first segment. Do know that you can send through your WhatsApp messages to 072-238-0712. However, if you are sending through SMSs, I won't be able to grasp that for you today. Probably tomorrow, inshallah. For now, I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue. We should stop just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafato.
Schon können Sie sagen, dass Sie das Jasmina, wie das wird, Vers 58 und 59. In Vers 60 wir mentioned, Allah told Musa, Then out of that stone there came twelve springs. Every tribe of the twelve tribes of Madu Israel knew their own which spring they had to stand at. Then Allah makes a statement that says, Enjoy, eat and drink. من رزق الله from the rizq of Allah ولا تعثوا في الأرض مفسدين and do not be of those people who do excessive abuses now what happens here is Allah would want them to understand when they were in need and they called out to the needs of Allah they had different ways that they did so they, most of the time they went to Nabi Musa and they said this is the Nabi let's ask him let's see what we can get and they Allah allowed them to be able to have for every tribe a, a, a spring for themselves out of one stone, out of one massive stone that they came to the tribe. And every tribe stood at the spring that was for them. Subhanak la hawla wa But then Allah reminded them, Kulu wa please enjoy what we've given you of things, of food, and of whatever there is that you can have. Now remember they have been under severe uncomfortable circumstances that they were mistreated by uh, Firaun and his people and so now they come into this position where Allah's taken them away Allah's given them Allah's favors Allah send them the manna was salwa Allah send them the, the, the light at night and the, the clouds to shade them during the day in the heat of the, the desert and then Allah allows him to enter the city and Allah put certain conditions for them for entering the city and now they came into the city and Allah told them you can enjoy in the city whatever there is and we've given to you everything and then Allah allowed them to enter the city and take and enjoy of the city and part of the processes Allah said to them do not be disobedient to Allah similarly at the end here where Allah said reminded them of the in the fact that they needed water Allah reminded them but at the end in the ayah Allah says kulu wa shirabu eat and drink of the risk of Allah and please do not create corruption and mischief on this earth. May Allah grant us to be able to be of those people when we are better, when we are healthy, when we enjoy the favors of Allah, not then is the time that we disobey Allah. But this is the unfortunate of man. When they don't have, they can plead and beg and call to Allah. But when they have, then they can waste and they can spend and they can do all the wrong things because they have. And they think it's theirs. I own this money. This is my money. I worked for it. Sorry, you didn't work for it. Number one, it's not your money. The rizq belongs to Allah. But when Allah granted you the health, Allah then sent it off to you as a means for the fact and Allah gave you work to do so that it can come to you. Subhanak la to you and to me. But Allah wanted us to realize, don't be of those people when you enjoy eating and drinking that you waste, that you're careless. Don't forget when you are eating, there are millions, billions, trillions of people who don't have to eat. 
So don't you think you should be moderate in eating? Don't you think you should have a heart in consideration of the fact that others don't have? Do you think it's worthwhile to waste so that you're careless the way you're eating and messing it and throwing it around and throwing it in a bin? While there's millions who doesn't have, you can share it with others. Or are you that arrogant? Are you equally that arrogant to expect Allah's adab to come? Billah. Precisely this is the words that Allah is mentioning Wanting us to recognize How important is it that when you have an excess Share the excess Listen to the advice of our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam When he says to us As a Muslim If you make food that others can smell It's of necessity If your neighbor can smell your food You need to be able Even if you only give him some of the gravy of the food To send over to him So that he can also enjoy Enjoy what he has uh, smel- felt, s- smelled in the, the, the effect that it was in the air, the smell that there is of your food. and So please share with him. This is what our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us. May Allah grant us to be of those Muslims who always have a consideration and that we share whatever there is. And the best form of sharing is not to wait till there is nothing left. Or what's left, the, the leftovers that goes to others. That is not a Muslim. That is not a Muslim. A Muslim is somebody who gives the best of himself. That which he wish for himself, what he prefer for himself, that what he loves for himself, he gives and he shares that with others. Right? Subhanahu may Allah grant us to be Muslimin. That we grow to the extent that we can be of benefit to ourselves and to others. And you and I, when we have, remember these times when you don't have also, or you did not have, so this is the moment that you, when you have, and like the cause for fasting, one of the things of fasting is to let us feel the uncomfort of what is it like at times to have. We have to buy. We can buy. But now, for the sake of Allah, we're abstaining from eating and drinking so that we can understand that there's many others who don't have. How should we at all times, 22, 12 months of the year have the consideration not the one month of Ramadan only have a consideration and then right through the year we don't care about others now it's about my pocket and myself and my home and my belly and my my family and my children and nobody else I don't care that is not what Islam is all about Islam is the consideration especially if somebody is my neighbor if somebody is a, a friend nearby or somebody working with me in, in my surroundings my peers then for that matter I need to share, I need to be to have a heart to consider other people and not say, I brought my bread, I don't know where your bread is. We don't have that attitude. We have an attitude, if Allah has granted me, I see what I can share with others so that others can also feel good and so that Allah can send me more barakah, more khair and more rahmah on me for the fact that because I'm in need of that. But when I'm prepared to share of the rizq of Allah with others, Allah Ta'ala put more barakah into what Allah is going to give to me thereafter. Bilal grand khair and barakah to all of us, insha'Allah. So Allah Ta'ala says to us in the next verse, the verse that follows thereafter, Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذْ كُلْتُمْ يَا مُوسَى لَنْ نَصْبِرْ عَلَى طَعَامِ وَاحِدٍ فَدَعُوا لَنَا رَبَّكَ فَدَعُوا لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُخْرِجَ لَنَا مِمَّا تُنْبِتُ الْأَرْضِ مِنْ بَقَلِهَا وَكِثَّائِهَا وَفُومِهَا وَعَدَسِهَا وَبَصَلِهَا قال أتستبدلون الذي أتستبدلون الذي هو أدنى بالذي هو خير 
اهبتوا مصرا فإن لكم ما سألتم ودربت عليهم الذلة والمسكنة وباءوا بغضب من الله ذلك بأنهم كانوا يكفرون بآيات الله ويقتلون النبيين بغير الحق ذلك بما عسوا وكانوا يعتدون يا إن ذس فاس الله تدمكس an issue about people when all they can do is complain, 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 complain. No matter what you give them, they can only find complaints. There's many of us amongst the Muslims today of the Ummah of the Nabi Muhammad وسلم, who lives with this attitude, an attitude of finding another reason to complain. Whatever happens to you, whatever happens to me, has been decided and decreed by Allah. So when it has happened, it is Allah's decree, is Allah's test on you and me. When you go through the test, turn to Allah and say to Allah, Allah, grant me the necessary sabr, grant me to, to persevere. But grant me to realize that you've put this test onto me, you've given it to me, and I need to learn the lesson to come nearer to you. Remember the issue of what we say, what is uluhiyya all about? When the challenge comes, accept the challenge, embrace the challenge, accept this comes from Allah, so that Allah can put barakah into you. Because if you make it, the moment you start to complain, it's only opening the door for more uncomforts. Because you remove the barakah out of yourselves. And we said the barakah is when Allah wishes to multiply and put value into you. And put greatness and glory into what you're going through. Because the law of nature is there is no night ever unless the day will come. Morning is going to be thereafter. If the, day, if the night spells darkness and uncomfort and pain and severity and that, that seems it's going to last forever and ever, then the law of Allah, the law of nature is, it must come to an end the night, and the day must fall. Subhanak la hawla wa la Which means, like Allah says to us in the Holy Quran, inna ma'al usri yusra. The law of nature is for every difficulty that anybody of you go through. If you persevere, if you hold to Allah, if you keep your links stronger, and you start to lessen the process of complaining, Allah says, then we will multiply for you a, a process of ease that will come in double fold. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. May Allah grant us that. May Allah grant us to be able to come to recognize who we are, how weak we are. We have absolute weaknesses. One of our great weaknesses is yama. And that spells complaints. Yama. Not wanting to say subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah or not wanting to say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun Allahumma ajirni fi musibati wa akhlufli khayra minha Oh Allah, if this is a challenge which you put into my face and you place it down into me grant me to enhance it with perseverance recognizing that this is what you have decided for me and I, I cannot change it and nobody in this whole universe will be able to change it if you've given this to me and if I must grant me to have excessive perseverance excessive perseverance but oh Allah it's, it's very much for me it's loathsome it's uncomfortable I beg you my Lord relieve me from this challenge of the uncomfort and replace it for me for what is better oh my Lord and only Allah can do that. May Allah grant us all that, inshallah. 
But these words are only saying we, we should not complain. Instead, we should be ready to be able to keep the link stronger with Allah, deeper, more intense, more severe with Allah, and show Allah we rely upon Him, right? Mahallah was my friend, I mean, so let's listen to how they handle in this words of Allah says, Wa it kultum ya Musa. Remember when you said to Musa, We do not have the sabr to be able to enjoy one type of food. We are sending you manna wa salwa. And the manna and salwa is of the best of food from Jannah we give you. You have all your needs as in health and in strength and in, 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 uh, to be safe and to be able to be clear of all pains as given to you by having enjoying manna and salwa. And still you said to, we don't have the, per- we don't have the perseverance. We don't have the sober. We cannot wait. We, we just don't. Like it to be able to eat one type of food all the time. Subhan. Allah grants you the best and you have this attitude. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Lan nazbira ala ta'ami wahid. Fada'u lana rabbaka yukhrij lana mimma tumbitul ard. Ask your Lord. Then, then further they have an, an attitude. Instead of going to Allah showing who they are and begging of Allah, they have an attitude with the Nabi and they make the Nabi feel uncomfortable. They say to the Nabi, go to your Lord. And you speak to your Lord and ask your Lord that He must give us. Not our Lord, not respect, not decency, not humility, but arrogance. But arrogance. Now the Billah, I'm not saying what these people are doing because I want to say it. I'm saying this because I want us to realize where do you and I fit in? How is it many a times that we have an attitude? How is it many times that our attitude is a sense of arrogance? How is it many times that you and I can still feel that we want it our way and, and expect others to be able to uh, understand us and, 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 and the whole world turns around me and what I want and my greed and I decided and I feel it that way. And it's all about me. Sorry, the world is not about you. It's not about you or me. It's a fact that I need to understand everything that happens. And if I go through anything, there's millions that go through things worse in me, million times worse than what I can go through. I must be more thankful for what Allah grants me. And if I have a challenge, I enjoy millions of favors at the same time whilst I have a single challenge. Subhanak example, if a thorn prick me on my finger, which is painful, at the same time my heart is still beating. I still hearing with my eye, my ears. I can still see with my, e- my, my, with my eyes. I still smell with my nose. I can still talk and I can still call out to my Lord Allah. Ya Rab. So yes, whenever any of us have any challenge that comes to us, let us not dream our challenge is the biggest dream, the biggest challenge. Let us realize that Allah, because everybody, every, every, everybody has been challenged by Allah at all their life. Your challenge might be poverty, or your challenge might be religious. So it depends on how you handle yourself in poverty, and how you handle yourself when Allah has given us in excess. May Allah protect all of us, and grant us to be of those people that grow with when Allah guides the issue of 
others to allow us to develop, recognizing where we are so that we can get to greater levels for our dunya and for our akhirah. I mean, shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And that there, Sheikh, ending of the very first segment being Knowing My Lord. We are in the second part of the program being I Am A Muslim, What Is Expected Of Me? And just before I hand over to Sheikh to continue and do a recap, as to where she stopped yesterday. Sheikh, here is a question that came through on our WhatsApp number. It says, what if a woman has thick hair on her top lip? Is it permissible for her to remove it? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In reference to the question of a man being able to be, to, 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 uh, um, a female. To, a male must be able to, or has the right to be able to remove the hair from his yes. top lip, which is supposed to be mustache then more so on a woman because it is not a the best if Allah has granted her to be there then she can use means and ways to be able to have it taken off right so good uh, the only the only thing uh, I wouldn't suggest the sense the sense of of that she actually shave it because shaving creates a situation where if the, you shave it it grows f- more and more and more now there are certain ways that you can actually have it plucked out mm. and then it is it, it, removed from right from it's what to say the root, the root yes. so if it grows back it grows back very very slowly and, and and takes a longer time to grow that that is in that case and that would be quite permissible for that woman to do that things shukran so much for that she and then also another question before she go along just moving away from the beard topic it says salam can i salah in a christian person's house yeah, we haven't dealt with issues, issues of salah as yet, but j- uh, basically we can salah any place because the salah has been made, uh, the, masjid, the whole world has been made a masjid for us to be able to make salah in. Uh, as for having to make the salah in a non-Muslim's place, if you stay there, then yes, you can. The question is that you go there and want to perform your salah there specifically because it's, it's a non-Muslim, it's not recommended. Perfect. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. I'm now going to be handing over for Sheikh to do a recap as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday. But also you can still you can still send through your questions through the WhatsApp number as well as the SMS number. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah As for yesterday, unfortunately we did not have anything new <laughs> on our lesson. It was just simply dealing with the questions that there was. We asked Allah to guide us what is best for our dunya and for our akhirah. Allow me just to be able to give a a light synopsis to our people about the process of how our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa indicated to us what needs to happen in the sense of questioning and I am not undermining anybody I need to repeat what I said prior I love all of you for the sake of Allah and I want to thank you very very much for loving me because like I need to love you Allah has compelled me to love you so Allah has also compelled you to love me so thank you for loving me and thank you for all your du'as for the very fact that I'm the weak slave of Allah and I, I'm f- unfortunately the person who needs to present the, the matter yes it's not good sitting here on the hot seat and having to pass over but the method of questioning given to us by Allah and his Rasul is a process that we ask questions that concern me that is me that I want to understand for implementation purposes and for the process of having to be obedient to Allah when there is things that I have a concern for I'm not sure then I get to surety through my question but questions is not healthy if we ask the question but what if 
And because what if is none of your business and none of mine? Because when you ask a what if, you ask the question as if you say, it's not to do with what affects me, but I'm just asking for inquisitive purposes. And for inquisitive purposes, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, that is part of the process of which you should not worry yourself about. The least you ask about it, the better, for then you end asking what if as if that if must if it's gonna happen to me it did not happen to you wait for it until until it happens to you so that you can then deal with the matter get yourself in the, the process of how our sharia deals with processes but don't want to ask questions and if and if and if and if and nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us it is a process of asking questions with the intention to know other people's business and want to know this and the other but it's not a process of learning and that's why the question and answer sessions is not a learning session it's not a developmental session it's not taking you to greater insights and it's just simply listening to questions and listen to answers it doesn't help us to grow we don't develop we don't become better we don't become more humble we don't become more slaves better slaves or more intense with our relationship with Allah we only come to know things knowing too much is not healthy if what you know is not going to help you to develop to become a better slave strongest a relationship between myself and my Lord may Allah open the path for all of us Remember, the person who knows needs to know all the knowledge is the person whom Allah has sent to be able to seek the knowledge. The everyday person, he doesn't have the responsibility to want to know, but what if this and what if that and what if this? That's not our responsibility. Allah is going to keep us responsible for the fact that now that you know it, the implementation is greater. May Allah uh, uh, protect us that we do not fall amongst those people who unfortunately ask unnecessary questions. And I'm not saying you're asking unnecessary questions. I'm saying, consider always, as a believer, am I doing this thing for the sake of Allah, even the questions that I'm asking? And am I trying to be able to put the questioner or the, uh, the person to answers under the process where I, I force him to say certain things? May Allah protect us that we are not of those people, inshallah, and that we are always there with innocence, care, love, brotherhood, consideration, that we always look. I'm unfortunate that I'm the person that must be able to answer it. I wish somebody else could. For I am a Muslim, as I say, I love you for the sake of Allah. May Allah grant khair and barakah in the sense that we love one another truly for Allah's sake. And we consider everything, how we do it. Is this for the sake of Allah? Or am I wanting to set an impression? Na'udhu billah. I'm not saying you're setting an impression. We need to impress. You and I, we need to impress the fact that the fact that to, to impress is a fart we need to impress, but only to impress our Lord Allah, nobody else. So may Allah grant us that we impress nobody other besides Allah and Allah Ta'ala alone. Meaning that what we do is accepted by Allah. Allah has we've impressed him in his heart and he's seen the positive here, and we don't do it to impress anything or anybody other than Allah Ta'ala. May Allah grant khairan barakah inshallah. We were speaking about the approach that we need to have within questioning processes and with no disrespect uh, as we said um, we will consider everybody in their concerns but let us our concern be real for the sake of Allah and let us impress our Lord in the processes of our actions thus our Lord can accept us and make us of those people who will be of benefit for ourselves and benefit for others inshallah <coughs>
I wish to go back to the hadith, which 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 we said the two ahadith that dealt with the the, the fitrah. Our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to us via Abu Huraira. He says in this hadith that our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says to us, "There's five things from the fitrah, from the natural practices." He mentioned the circumcision, and then he mentioned the shaving of the pubic hairs, the plucking of the armpit hairs, clipping the nails, and trimming the mustache. We happen to have a touch of that. We have of that part of the hadith. We happen to have touched the circumcision portion. That what happens there? We've also looked at the trimming of the mustache there, and 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 obviously with the trimming of the mustache, it means the trimming of the mustache and the lengthening of the beard. This this is is what we've done. But we want to look at the other parts of that hadith where Al Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam spoke of us, the shaving of the pubic hairs, the hairs that's on the private parts, the front part and the back part. These these hairs that grows here, that those are called pubic hairs. On those pubic hairs, the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam indicated to us is one of those things that it must be shaved from time to time, right? Now, um, and, but at the same time, there is the other thing which is called the plucking of the armpit hairs, the hairs that's under the armpits, that's recommended to shave there and or to pluck it. To pluck it means to to, to have it pulled out, right? That is what has been the norm in the times of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But shaving it is also nothing wrong; it's recommended too. And then it speaks about the clipping of the nails, and yes, clipping of the fingernails and the toenails. Right? Subhanallah, hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Now, the reason why I put these few uh, together, together uh, in, in the reading it, because I need to, un- to let us understand the processes of how we deal with the pro- with, with it, in the sense that our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has expected us to be able to, when he speaks about the sh- shaving of the pub- pubic hairs, when a person became Muslim, he said to the person, the person needs to see that he have himself circumcised, and, and that he also sees that he uh, removed the hairs, uh, the pubic hairs, right? Or he called it the hairs of, of, of kufr, which is the pubic hairs and the hairs under the arms, right? But those are not the only places where hair grows on people. There's more, more places than that where hair grows. Hair sometimes grows on the arms, it grows on the chest, it grows on the back, it grows on the, 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 the legs, the thighs, and the, 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 the lower legs. Subhanakla hawla Some people have it, uh, the hair grows on their toes as well, oh, and on their fingers as well. So there's nothing wrong with those hairs. The hairs referred to in removal by the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the two types of hair, the pubic hair and the hairs under the armpits. The pubic hair, we said, is those hairs around the private parts, those hairs that must be removed, and the hairs under the armpits, right? And we also mentioned here the clipping of the nails, right? And I want to be able to also look at the process of the fact that what, how long can a person allow his hair to grow, or those hair to grow, and or allow his fingernails to grow. What is the length that is it's permissible in Islam? And here about the pubic hairs and the plucking the, and, and the, uh, the armpit hairs about that, these hairs our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam gives us the right and said to us, it must be shaved after every forty days, max. Maximum forty days you must allow it to be. You can allow it to be, and then thereafter. You can remove it, right? Or no, you cannot. You can. You should remove it, right? So, 
it's, 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 it's of the fitra, it's a norm and natural thing that everybody as a human being is supposed to do. So we're not supposed to allow it to grow to become bushy. The furthest or the longest, in the days of our forefathers, they made sure that we really cleaned ourselves weekly. And the Thursday evening was the evening where they made sure that part of the, of the development of every child, when you are a Muslim, on a Thursday evening, as you see that you cleanse yourself, for the next day is Juma, and you need to be clean, and any excess hairs of excess nails on the body must be removed under the arms, under the private parts, and that must be the, that was uh, what has happened in the days when we were much younger. But our Nabi has given us a space of 40 days, and then after 40 days to be able to do so. In having to deal with this mas- ma- uh, issue of, to many people in, in my life, the experience that I have, I came up with something that was advice given, where a person indicated that the husband and wife finds it sometimes uncomfortable when they need to be interactive with one another and personal with one another and the partner is shaved. So if the partner is shaved and they touch one another, the, the, just after a few days after the person has shaved, the hair comes out and it becomes sticky. And it so affects the other one and it makes the situation of us being intimate with one another slightly uncomfortable. Right? And thus they came up with the idea that they will be doing, the moment the wife goes into the process of a haid, then the husband goes to cleanse himself. So we are still in our second part of the program being I am a Muslim, what is expected of? We were busy speaking on the pubic hairs, the plucking of the armpit hairs and the clipping of the nails. And we were busy having to share with you what happens when uh, a, a person feels that he, we, we, the, how the hadith indicates to us the length, the length of the time, maybe 40 days that we can allow it for those three things, right? So not longer than 40 days must a person be able to see that those things, which means you can have your, your fingernails to grow for 40 days and after 40 days you need to be able to, to, to term it for the, for, the, for the most, right? Now some people um, have these things growing very fast and some of them growing slower but the, the length given to us by Allah and his Rasul is 40 days that we'll be able to be able to see that we actually shave ourselves right um, we, we've said just before the break the process of where some people gave us advice and said to them if it is something that happens where the, in the intimacy of, of people and they need to be able to shave the pubic hairs that they do so at a time when the wife is busy in her uh, menses and when she during the menses she shaves and he shaves so after the menses it doesn't doesn't become an uncomfortable process when they interact or relate with one another may Allah grant khair and barakah and I think we all adults we understand when we come to that process there may Allah grant it to be on the contrary there is also messages that we got amongst in the process when we deal with people that some of them feel they don't want their partners to be able to shave themselves because to them it is part of the enjoyment when the the these hair which is pubic hairs are bushy onto one another and plays a role of the the the, the more they can like be more playful and much better with one another, becoming intimate with one another. Subhanak la hawla wa la illa billah. I just want to share that reminder, I'm speaking to the elderly and to the young. 
And I want to say to us with no disrespect, I'm no better person than anybody. I am also a weakling. I also have weaknesses and faults and errors and shortcomings. And I'm sorry that I'm the one that needs to be able to share these things. But this is what Allah gives to us. And I'm only one sharing with us what Allah and His soul guides us to. And it is imperative that we see that we actually bring that back. As I said, bring those things that the cutting of the pubic hair, our parents, our forefathers of yesteryear, has been so strict to them it was, check every week what it was like. And one elderly mentioned to me, he said, it was such an uncomfortable process that their mum or sometimes their grandmother would come to them and say to me, to the child, let me see what is your pubic hair like and he needs to open up the, the top part above his private parts to see what it is like and the mother would say, see that you shave it. Shave it completely. To that extent have they gone to be able to see that their children follow the path of Allah. But that is the absolute right. That is the absolute right. And they didn't feel it was an uncomfortable thing. They, they saw the necessity, a fart. Where mothers was mothers in responsibility. I want to see that my children carry their duties with them, right? And, and uh, uh, she was actually rearing and nurturing her sons to be able to know that that is my right to let me see what it looks like. And I want to see to be able to instruct or to be able to say, yes, I'm satisfied. Now, as I said, not everybody, the hairs, the pubic hairs especially, grows at the same pace, right? But it's a necessity that we as Muslims need to understand the cleaner we are, the better it is. Our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has recommended us to be able to see once every 40 days it must be shaved. Which means if the 40 days comes to an end, you must have shaved then for the latest if you did not shave before then. But if you can shave before then to be able to keep it clear, because those pubic hairs is on a very uncomfortable position and the the the, the um, the dust and the, the uh, what comes from the body, the body odors comes off, has an effect on dead, that hairs, and that hairs can, if they become contaminated with dirt and things around there, then can spread uncomforts in, uh, of health processes on the, on the partners, on both of us, both the males and the females. Now the Billah, may Allah protect all of us, right? So that we understand that, remember everything that comes from our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he did not do anything from his own. He took all the information from Allah. So Allah has instructed him, if he says to us that is fitra, Allah has said that is fitra, and he then sees that he loves it to remind you and me so that we can become decent human beings. And we become developed, we become people with an open mind, and we live for the best successes of health, and processes to be able to benefit ourselves and benefit others in the process. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us, inshallah. So we were speaking about the pubic hairs and the, the armpit, the paw armpit hairs and the clipping of the nails. The other point that needs to go with that is the issue of clipping of nails. What can you do with that? And what needs to happen with the, uh, the pubic hairs and the arm hairs that you have? What do you need to, how do you dis, uh, uh, take them away or, or what do you do afterward after you've shaved yourself? Do you just let it lay around? Do you uh, 
they fall anywhere and don't care about it. This is not the Sunnah Tariqah of our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As to how do we handle to dispose of it is to be able in the advice of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then at that time was to be able to dispose of it in a manner that can make sure the thing will be not laying around, the, the hairs is not going to lay around, it's going to be taken and they've usually buried it at that time. So they've shaved the hairs and they've clipped the nails, the f uh, fingernails and the toenails and they bury them all together. And or we can dispose of it in other ways as well. If you know that if you take it to an area where there's a dump and you planted at the dump or have it thrown into the process where it's going to be thrown into the dump such as discarding it into the toy into the either toilet pot or in the dirt bin where it's going to be then taken to having been, been as long as it's not going to go moving around it's quite permissible to do it in that but it's not the best the best is the unfortunate thing that we see certain people now goes and clipping their nails in the open in public and they don't care what happens to the nails or they shave their hair and they don't care what happens to the hairs it is not recommended to allow that to happen the best is to be able to discard of it in a decent possible way because remember it bec belongs to your life and then on the other hand the possibility that I need to be able to just add here the clipping of the nails or the cutting of these hairs is recommended to do at a time when the body is clean what is meant by the body is clean it is not recommended to do when a person is a state of Janaba when a person is a state of Janaba when he's Junub then the body is not clean the body needs to go for cleansing so you don't do it do those things when you're in the state of Janaba you see that you remove yourself first from the state of Janaba and then you actually clip those hairs right may Allah protect and then you clip those hairs or you 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 shave the hairs or you you clip the nails right may Allah grant khair and barakat all of us I mean Sheikh here is a few questions that came through with regards to our second segment being I am a Muslim what is expected of me and this question comes through via our SMS line Sheikh so it says here from the number four five eight six two it says salam sheikh can hudu be done after shower still being naked okay i take it for granted mashallah shukran for that person's question i take it for granted the person is saying i'm taking a shower and i'm still naked can i take a hudu in having to deal the issue with the shower we said that it, the sunnah tariqah of doing a hudu is to be able to do the washing of your body with soap and water to rinse the body off complete and after the body is rinsed and all the soap and waters off the body then to take wudu and then after the wudu you do the ghusl the ghusl is in clean water with an intention running over clean body that in actual fact constitute the ghusl and the wudu would be recommended in the sunnah tariqah to be able to do to do, to do, to do there so that says to us in the sunnah tariqah it's quite recommended it's also it's, it's sunnah permissible for you Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha says we were making ghusl with one another myself and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Nabi taught me this right subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah 
Um, so we see the possibility of doing the, hus- the wudu with the ghusl. But if a person has done the ghusl first and he then wants to do the wudu, um, he, he can do it that side and uh, you can be with clothing or without clothing. Allah is not going to punish you. Because what's important, the most important factor about covering our bodies with clothing is when we stand in public in front of other people. There our bodies must be cleaned, must be clothed. But if we have a personal processes where at times we need to be, we, we are we naked in the processes and we are covered, then Allah wouldn't keep anything against us, if you don't mind. The importance is when a woman's feet is open in public, it is a problem of, 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 of her, her aura. If a man's body is open in front of public of others, then that is to do with the issue of aura. So, in the, in the occasion, Allah shows us what happened to Nabi Musa when he had to perform salah with no clothing on. He had to make salah and he, had, he, has to, he placed his hands over his private parts in humility in front of Allah Ta'ala. But he performed salah. Subhanak la hawla wa la in a naked body. He stood in front of Allah Ta'ala. But this is what Allah wants to teach us through the process. The recommendation or the understanding of the aura has to do when we expose that aura in front of other people. That aura must then be closed. And there it is important. If for, uns- for uncircum- under- circumstances are uncomfortable that the aura is open, where we alone with Allah, with no disrespect, Allah sees right through us. He knows us and He knows our aura. And He's created us and our aura and He's not going to keep anything against us. We don't intentionally stand in, Allah, in front of Allah with an open aura. It's indecent. right? But... The essence of the aura that must be closed must be closed when we in doing that in front of the rest of humanity. We must not expose our aura in front of others. Shri Shukran so much for that answer as well as for the question coming from the number 6801 and not as I said previously from the number 5862. However, the question on our SMS number that came through from the number 5862, this question will be forwarded on to our next program, which is a question and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Wuss and Hawa, inshallah. So that question will be answered in that program and that is normally on a weekend on a Saturday afternoon from about 4 o'clock up until 6 o'clock inshallah. Then now moving along to the WhatsApp messages, Sheikh. Here's a question that came through. It says, Salam, Sheikh. Is it okay if a person shower and shave their pubic hair and it's washed away? If a person actually showers and, 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 and in the process of the shower, he, he shaves himself and it just washes away in the water, we must understand when... when um, uh, hair falls into the drain and goes down, it sometimes blocks the drains. And it stands there, it stays there, it, it blocks into things, right? Because remember the, the drains have got things that's uncomfortable. So it's not recommended to do that because it actually then creates a blockage and the very the very hair is then the process of the blockage. And if the hair is not getting into the system of flowing away and it sticks, sticks, sticks in, in the pipes, it's uncomfortable. The, the worst thing that I would want to, or the, the most uncomfortable thing that I would want to recommend our people, which is most probably a, 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 a better process, is to be able to say, you, what you do is you shave yourself, you gather that, 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 that hairs and, and the, 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 the nails, 
uh, you cut your nails, you, you shave the hair, and you take that and you throw it in the toilet pot because it's a br- bigger process where the flowing of those things of dirt goes through. And, and we need to understand that the pipes used at home that it going, goes from your, your, your uh, zinc or from the shower areas are a thinner pipe. And it doesn't always give the right for those things. And sometimes the blockage, you find there's a lot of hairs in the blockage pipes. And that is not recommended, right? Na'udhu Billah, may Allah Ta'ala protect, right? And it's not recommended to go through this because unfortunately the process of when it goes through the, the, the thinner, uh, the thinner uh, pipes, then many a times it falls outside onto the, uh, the gullies. And it lands in the gullies and it doesn't actually not, not go, doesn't go through the process. And that's why I said, instead of letting it go through the gullies outside, allow it to go through the toilet pipe, where it's a thickish pipe and the flow of the water is much flowing and it allows it to go into a drain outside that cannot be seen. It doesn't go through the gullies, if you can probably understand what I'm saying here. And so that we don't create a process of black blockages in the drains simply because of our hairs. Many a times even women that was, has lengthy hairs, their hairs falls out and those hairs has a blockage in the pipes. Those is not recommended. But what happens even with my pubic hairs, not or under the underarm hairs, not recommended to be able to allow it to fall into the uh, into the not recommended as I repeat, not recommended. Do it somewhere else, gather it and take it and put it rather at some other or the best is to be able to bury it if you can. Shukran so much for that. Just a reminder that the Asr Adhan is going to be at 15.48 this afternoon. So we end off the show at 15.45. So we're going to set at, up until 15.45, inshallah, for the Asr package to take place. However, Sheikh, here are still questions streaming through. And here is another question on our WhatsApp number. And it says, um, what is Janaba? Okay, the issue of Janaba... <laughs> Um, I need to say to the person, don't feel bad for the fact that you don't know these terms. If I use a term, you have the right to ask me. And it's nothing wrong because sometimes if we were exposed to it as a young, because we were supposed to know it. But don't feel bad if I'm, I'm saying this. But it's healthy for your asking. It's better asking to say I don't know than not to know forever. Right? Janaba is from the word Junub. And Junub has to do with the fact that I had a dream, a, a, a wet dream or had been intimate with my partner. And in that state, that state, its state is called the state of Janaba. I have, I'm Junub. I have had uh, intimacy with my partner. And because of that, I need to be able to take a shower, a ghusl of the body. And, oh, may Allah protect that we, in actual fact, guide ourselves to what is best, that we do not, under that state, shave ourselves or cut our nails. Thank you so much for that, Sheikh. And then, Sheikh, here is another question that came through via our WhatsApp with regards to the pubic hairs. The person asks, is it, is it a must that we need to shave our hairs from the backside? The pubic hairs is the hairs in front and the hairs at the back. Which means there's hair is at the back around the anus area that there is. And if we do not shave it, then many a time the, the uh, feces that comes out of the body then touches that and leaves behind certain things. And that means there's dirt. So th- th- we need to clean it. But at the same time, if we leave it on the body and it touches that, the, the, the feces touches the hairs, then it can create f- a great amount of contamination in that area. 
May Allah Ta'ala protect. And so the Sharia has taught us to be able to that we clean the front part, the whole front part, and the back part. If you do not mind. Uh, allow me to, without disrespect, because it's a norm that happens to all human beings. In actual fact, there's a flow of hair from the front part to the back, in between the legs. And the processes of that there where it is, that's uncomfort, it needs to be removed at that places, inshallah. Inshallah, Sheikh, shukran so much for that. And then also, here's another message through our WhatsApp, Sheikh. I know that we need to start with our previous, our last segment. There's another message coming through. Salam, Sheikh, can husband and wife be intimate when she has her menses? Kindly advice. Okay, we haven't dealt with that issue yet, but... In Islam, it's not recommended for a husband and wife to come together whilst the wife has her menses, right? Remember, Allah says in the Holy Quran, Abstain from using being intimate with the husband the wife when she has her menses. Allah says, because uh, Allah mentions to us, not only must she abstain, Allah says that, that what happens that comes out of the body is actually harmful in the process for the male and the female when in actual fact what we call the menses the haid is actually harmful yes alunaka anil mahid o muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam the sahaba radiyallahu anhum they ask you pertaining to the mahid the mahid is the place of haid the haid itself and the place of it right the pla- can the men use them, their, their partners whilst they have the height? Allah says, they ask you, O Muhammad, and Allah answers the question. Kul, Muhammad say unto them, Huwa It is harmful, it is destructive, it is going to bring many uncomfortable things in your life. May Allah protect that we actually go to that extent. So it's not recommended. Then Allah says, فَأَتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْمَحِيدِ Abstain from the woman while she is in a state of hide. Don't even go near to them in a sense of intimacy with them during that period until they've cleansed themselves. Means until the hide comes to an end and until they've cleansed themselves after that, that process. May Allah open the path for all of us and grant us to be of those who strive to follow the advice of Allah and His Rasul to the best of our abilities. Amen. And then also, Sheikh, this is a suggestion with regards to the question that was answered. If one can take wudu whilst naked in the shower, says, Yes, Salam, Sheikh and Yasmina, Shukran very much for the great lessons. May I please suggest that after shower, wrap body with towel and then take wudu. Shukran, that comes from a listener with regards to a suggestion that the person made and answering the question as well regarding the shower can one take wudu with uh, being naked in the shower. However, that then wraps up our question and answer session with Sheikh we are now heading into leadership in Islam and its progression and yes Sheikh is going to be doing a recap as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday Sheikh Tafatum Shukran Jazakallah Khair for that one Yasmina we are now in our last segment uh, uh, leadership in Islam and its progression and we are dealing with a topic called Tarbiyah we've looked at the process of Tarbiyah and in yesterday's lesson we said to us there's certain things that Allah has created for us in that, that subject matter. We said it is a fart. The scholar says to us it is a fart. It's something if you do it, if you live by it and do what must be done, then Allah will reward you greatly for that. And if you do not fulfill it, unfortunately, there is Allah is going to keep you responsible for those things. Ya Rabbi, and it's fart because Allah said to us in the Holy Quran, 
ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara see that you prevent yourself or you people who believe see that you prevent yourself and your offspring from the fire of jahannam so allah has made me the, the person that i need to look after my own development over over my own success for dunya and for akhirah but not only my own as much i need to look after my own i also been given the responsibility to look after the concern of my family Allah says ku amfusakum protect yourselves and your family from the fires of jahannam so i've been given the load if i'm a mommy and a daddy part of my rearing is the necessity that i must see that my development must be of that nature that i can be of a benefit in the developing of my younger children of my family to be able to guide them along may allah grant us to be righteous parents inshallah and then we said and besides that Allah also wants us to understand that it is an item a knowledge that way we need to go and seek we need to get the skill of we then need to sit at the feet of scholars to acquire and achieve and we've mentioned to you that scholars as written on the subject matter they call it the uh, curriculum of how tarbiyah must be done in the manner of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam whilst we are rearing our children that is how the scholars have it's called in arabic manhaj tarbiyah tarbiyah lil tarbiyah this is how the nabi as the scholars have actually created these books and then the last one we which we mentioned last yesterday was the fact that this subject matter entails a process of extensive perseverance to be a parent is not an easy thing many people is under the impression if i'm a daddy or i'm a mommy as long as the child's been born all i need to do is love my life as i like and that brings to brings about a healthy and a good muslim in the future nay it does not not your way not your style not what you want will bring about a healthy muslim So nobody is healthy muslimin remember the hadith of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam where in he says kullu mauludin yuladu ala alfitra every child is been born on the fitra and the word fitra here is on the natural disposition of the fact that he or she has the understanding that there is an ila fa abwahu yuhawidani aw yunassirani aw yumajjisani the nabi says it is his parents who has an impact on him his parents has a total impact on him to make him a christian or to make him a jew or to make him something other but don't get don't misunderstand a nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't say your child is automatically muslim and because he's been and, and, and his disposition is muslim so he knows everything and he will live in islam no that is not what the nabi says don't let us misunderstand the understanding of the words of nabi says is his uh, natural disposition when he was born he un- automatically realized the fact that they must be in ilah but his parents make him who they are his parents so even if your name is muhammad and your wife's name is amina and your son's name is abdullah but you don't know islam and you don't act islam and you don't instruct or show the manner of true islam to your son abdullah is his name but he must probably never be a muslim he might never be a muslim because you don't expose him to the truth you don't know better you don't go and seek you don't realize that you don't know so you 
you must go and seek because you cannot make a film he's not automatically muslim the hadith doesn't say that the hadith says he is supposed to be automatic muslim but that is if you are a muslim mom and dad then you grant that he doesn't become a jew he doesn't become a christian he doesn't become disobedient he doesn't he's not with, with no guidance you will guide him because it's the parents who guides the child to what is the right path so the necessity is in tarbiya in rearing and nurturing children is a load it's a heavy load it is they say it's extensively extensive sober which we must have a lot of sober to be able to fulfill that and the scholars are saying to us don't dream it's a matter of what we say um instant coffee rearing a child is not like instant coffee you know instant coffee and if it is your little chin a good for a scoop of of coffee and you throw it into the cup and then you take your boiling water and throw it in the cup and there you got your cup of coffee isn't it you just add your sugar and your milk if you want to but you have your cup of coffee rearing a child is not like that don't dream it it's not something and that's not what i love by and do and how we do things normally if that is not in accordance which comes from allah and his rasul it rearing is going to be within an islamic manner that which is the guidance of allah and his messenger may allah guide all, guide all of us and grant us the sense and thus they say it takes approximately 20 years of nurturing a child to become responsible a decent and a child who can be of benefit to himself and to others and thus the scholar says to us expect for a lot of commitment and dedication in the rearing children and remember that you need to have that trust in Allah and you need to know that Allah is going to help you if you are innocent and you know that you call unto Allah's help and assistance wherever these needs may Allah guide us for those of to be of those people who that's what we shared with you yesterday we want to take this matter a little bit further with the scholar says to us the other most or very very important aspect of uh, rearing a child or rearing children or the process of tarbiya is to be able to to depend and rely on ma'unatillah on the assistance and the help of Allah to know for sure no parent no parent can be a real mom and can be a real dad no no person who's been given a child they automatically parents you're not automatically parents parenthood is a process that you need to develop with you grow with um, and and you need to to seek its knowledge and then you use that knowledge to be able to implement now forgive me here as i said remember this topic autumn wasn't automatically passed of our life in the past so i am not pinpointing fingers at anybody's life i'm saying to us i only came to learn these things at the later part of my life and i know it's not spread amongst our muslim community no we hope and intend that by the very fact that we speak about these necessities of our life that it becomes vibrant it becomes vi- uh, uh, free and open to all of us that we get exposure many of the books of this subject matter is not available in english it must be translated still and we hope allah grants us but for now the recommendation and the understanding that we need to take in the process of if this is what allah and his rasul are saying allah teaches us the only thing that you and i can say is not say ya ma wat van die and wat van die van die paas 
Allah says, we say, Sam'an, we hear what Allah wants of us. We hear the advice of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we only want to see that it becomes a reality. When we identify the error, we ask Allah to pardon us for that error, and we ask Allah to grant us to be able to to now implement the truth and the reality when we come to meet up with it. And as we've said, it's a fart, it's a necessity, we need to have sober, and we need to seek the knowledge of, and then implement it. And in that process of implementation, the scholar says, it cannot happen that you will be able to get the righteousness of your son or your daughter unless you actually seek for the help of Allah. May Allah protect all of us in the process. May Allah grant us to be able to realize. And, and as, as time goes on, unfortunately, we just covered one area and it needs so much that we need to share with you here. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time here. Let us make the final dua. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. والعصر إن الإنسان لفي حصر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين. الحمد لله رب العالمين. And with that brings the end of today's show, Madrasa on E. From myself, Yasmina. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.